Koinonia, Christian Fellowship, Communion with God and with Fellow Christians. Koinonia, an association of people who share common beliefs and activities. This is Koinonia. This is Community. I am Tom Brown, and your host today is Lance Rawlings. everyone. Welcome to Quantania. This is your host today, Lance Rahoff, and I am excited about the next hour that we have with our guest, and I will introduce her in just a minute. Um, I am excited about what's going on in Phoenix. I'm excited about what the Lord's doing in this community and in this city. And as I often talk to many pastors around this city, uh, they tell me there's more connection among pastors and among Christian community than they've ever seen before. I will talk to pastors who have pastored in this town for 40 years, and they'll say they've never seen anything like this in Phoenix. We know that there are pastors that are moving to Phoenix from around the country and around the world because they say something is going on in this city, and I want to be a part of it. I will talk to people, of course, we're in a town of of three or million people or something like that now. It's the fifth largest city in the country. So obviously a very large city. But at the same time, when you've been around for 20 years, I've been around Christian community in Phoenix for 20 years, and I'll hear about 500 people showing up at some event, and I didn't even know that that was happening. And I always think, wow, that's incredible. God, what are you up to here in Phoenix? And so one of the people that I really wanted to have in the studio for a while now, because she's someone who, one, is values community, but also uh, she's a powerful voice in the Christian community. She has such a, a cool relationship with Jesus. I really love it. My wife, Susan, and I love hanging out with her. We love um, our kids, enjoy being around her because you can't be around this woman without um, getting excited about Jesus and about life. And just there's an enthusiasm that comes. And so my guest today is Camille Lael Schwartz. (laughs) And I bring up your middle name because uh, one is I just love it. And I haven't heard it before in the middle name before. But Camille, welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah. So, Camille, I want you to feel free today just to express yourself however you do, because you're seriously one of the best conversationalists I know. People, someone who can engage in all kinds of um, dialogue, no matter what the topic. So the first question, of course, is um, who are you going for, Trump or Clinton? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I cannot say. (laughs) We can't go there. (laughs) Yeah. So we wanted to bring up some controversial topics today. So um, we'll cover abortion. We will cover, I'm just kidding. We're not going to go down those roads. <laughs> Although we have those kind of conversations. Yes. Yeah. Separately. So Camille, um, <laughs> tell me right now. Um, so you grew up in Chandler. Yes. Tell- I don't always admit that, but I did. <laughs> okay. Chandler's a great town. Chandler is a great town, right? It is. Lots of suburban houses and parks and targets. So very (laughs) well-rounded. Yeah. Okay. So what was life like growing up in Chandler? You know, I can't really, there's not a big takeaway, but we have the ostrich festival. I don't know if people know about that, but you can ride ostriches and eat funnel cake and hang out. So. At the same time? At the same time, yes. <laughs> Simultaneously. So that's that's a um, a gift that some people have. Yes, it is a gift. <laughs> so, okay, so you grew up there, and uh, how old are you now? I'm 24. You're 24, so just getting started. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. So um, anyway, you grew up in Chandler. You went to Chandler High. Mm -hmm. What was it like going to Chandler High? And when did you graduate? 
Graduated in 2010. My mom actually was a teacher at the high school I attended. Um, So if I wasn't in class, they would email my mom and then kind of the security guards would be alerted and go looking for me. So I was always being watched. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, I bet. Having a parent as a teacher when you're in high school has got to be a little bit, you got to be like working a couple of different angles here. Yes. Yeah. I would go ride to school with her and then want to get dropped off at a different place. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Exactly. Hey, we're going to be back. We just want to introduce our guest today. It's uh, Camille Swartz. Um, She will be back in a minute and she's going to answer this question. If you could have any superpower, what would that superpower be and why? So we'll be right back. Uh, Stay tuned. Good afternoon, beloved. This is Koinonia. This is Community. I am Tom Brown. Encounter Phoenix is a worship conference that has a heart to inspire and affirm worship teams in the Phoenix Valley. As worship leaders, your job is not simply musical in nature. It is to provide an atmosphere where people encounter the presence and power of God. If you love worship, whether as a leader or participant, go online to EncounterPHX.org for more information and registration. That's EncounterPHX.org. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. This is your host, Lance Rahoff, and I am with my guest today, Camille Swartz. And when we left the last segment, I asked Camille the all-important question, the one that everyone ponders their whole life, and some never come to a conclusion, but they always wish that they can have a grasp of what this really means for their life. And that is, Camille, if you had one superpower, what would it be and why? The ability to never sweat living in (laughs) Phoenix. I think it would be a huge game changer for me um, because usually after like, you know, walking to your car in the middle of the summer, it looks like I ran a marathon. So. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. The ability to not sweat. Yeah. It didn't even cross my mind that that could be a superpower, but it can. Yeah, I created it. <laughs> you agree. <Great. laughs> it is. Uh, okay, back to just growing up here in Phoenix, uh, in Chandler specifically. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell me about Chandler, like your take on Chandler and, you know, it's your hometown. Yes, Be it nice. is. <laughs> so when you were growing up in Chandler, what was kind of, and this would be, you were born in, what, 92? Yes. So you went to high school in... What years? 2006 to 2010. Okay. From 2006 to 2010, what was kind of the environment you were growing up in in high school? And tell me just about, like, what did you do for community and and how did you meet Jesus? Well, I met Jesus when I was a kid. I gave my life to him when I was five. I remember I was doing something called daisies, which is like Christian brownies, um, basically, for the Assembly of God Church. We had cute little denim vest, and I think that's what sold me to go, were the denim vest. And from there, I just remember they basically did an altar call with a bunch of five-year-old girls, and I just remember closing my eyes and seeing bright light all around. Um, So I gave my life to Christ in kindergarten. And then in high school, really young life is where I found community and um, 
because the most like popular kids basically were going people who did student council and did different clubs and i liked young life was so different to me because i'm like we're doing fun things but no one's drinking or doing drugs like this is interesting like how are we having so much fun but we're not at a party per se um so i think i really kind of fell in love with that because in high school and in even in junior high it's kind of difficult to find good clean fun and not just like cheesy corny fun but like oh this is actually funny and that I don't know it intrigued me that people could live that way Mm, yeah so when you got involved in Young Life what was what was the attraction when you first went can do you remember your first experience when you showed up to a Young Life club (laughs) yes what was that like well they had all the freshman girls line up and then they put they asked us to take live crickets and put them in our mouths and spit (laughs) crickets (laughs) Not a joke. No, you probably had to wear boots to do that. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure I wore boots and a huge belt buckle. Um, but just I remember, I don't know, there was such everyone was friends, but it was like a genuine friendship. It would, you know, before I had been to some Christian events and people would say hi to you. And I'm like, OK, I know you're the greeter. Like, I get it. You have to say hi to me. <laughs> but this was something where everyone was just had this genuine friendship and they're saying hi and asking you intentional questions, not just like, oh, how are you doing? Fine. OK, good. But there was an intentionality about it that I was so drawn to being 14 and just, I don't know, feeling like lost and freaked out by going to a high school that was over 3,000 um, kids. So I loved that kind of culture. Yeah. So when you you had become a Christian at age eight and five. and five, I'm really spiritual. OK, so I didn't <laughs> I wasn't even paying attention to what you Obviously were saying the last not. five minutes. <laughs> So at age five, you became a Christian. So you've been walking with Jesus. Your parents were believers and your grandparents were believers, right? Is that true? So, okay. So you had this walk with Jesus. Tell me about when you went into, like you had community in Young Life. Mm -hmm. um, Was there other community outside of Young Life that you were involved with? Or was that kind of your core group? In high school, that was kind of my core group. I mean, I'm not, my walk with Christ, I'd say there's a conversion when I was 19, turning 20. Um, Throughout high school, I, you know, kind of did both. Like I had one foot in Young Life, loved that because I was like, oh, these are real friendships, people I know I can count on. I'm still in contact with all of my Young Life leaders. I've been in their weddings. I've lived with them. They are like my family. And then I kind of had my other foot in the undercover party kids <laughs> where we were the good kids and we did student council. But, you know, I just I kind of had both communities obviously were so different. Like I knew my friends that I partied with, I could never rely on. I know that I couldn't really trust them or that that love was kind of conditional based on like, well, if you don't do this, then you're not actually our friend. And then I would go to Young Life and I'm like, whoa, I think I can actually be myself here and be fully accepted for who I am. Oh, that's good. So you, you remember your Young Life leader. I guess you still have a relationship with your Young Life leader. All of them. All of them. <laughs> so tell me about that. What does that relationship look like for? Because these are volunteers, right? Completely. Yes. Yeah. So even in high school, I mean, obviously, they totally got me when they came with donuts, <laughs> you know, every Monday. And that's all you need is donuts to do Christian ministry. Yeah. <laughs> donuts do help. Donuts help. They're really enticing. Um, so that I just, I don't know. There's several people, John Glatch, and marie Ben Hakim, different people who they would come and just ask you like deep questions about life and 
try to get to know you and it was natural, you know, and they invite you to go to Target or let's go do this and just live life on life, which is totally a young life saying, but I feel like it changed my perspective on people who do Christian ministry. Cause I think when you go to church sometimes as a younger kid, I just was like, okay, I see you on Sundays. Great. But with young life, it was like, I see you throughout the week. You're just inviting me to come over and have dinner with your family or we're going shopping, whatever, going to lunch, grabbing coffee. There was more of an intentionality. And even to this day, I can say like, those are the people when I was going through really rough things and just needed that stability. I reached out to them and they weren't technically my young life leader anymore, but because we had created such a solid foundation and friendship, I just trust them and will always come to them still to this day. Yeah, because you had some people that invested, that truly invested in your life. Yes. At a time. And you know what's interesting that you said is because I think sometimes they, uh, adults, yeah, even if you're in your 20s and you're connecting with high school uh, students, that somehow all your adventures have to be exciting and spectacular. And, and you know, you got to go, man, this this young life kid or this, this student in high school, they'll like me better or have more fun if I'm if I do something that's really exciting but you named off a few things of going to Target yes Target wins Target and donuts yeah Target donuts because if you bring asparagus to young life kids you're doing something wrong you're doing something wrong <laughs> and uh, but donuts go over well and then the other is come over have dinner hang out with the family you know what's interesting about that is that um, I think a lot of the times adults forget mm-hmm. that uh, as other kids, you know, your own kids sometimes want to get out of the house. <laughs> They're yes. around the family a lot. But to go hang out with another family, they, they think that's great, too. But we forget that, like, just doing life and inviting uh, a 14, 15, 16, 17-year-old into your community, into your home, and saying, hey, this is how we do life. And and honestly, a lot of kids don't have a, a good model in their own home, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And so um, what does it mean to be a Christian husband and a Christian wife and a Christian dad and mom? You know, all of those things and invite people into your life. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's kind of even if it's singles. That's what Young Life Leaders were doing with you. Is that correct? Totally. Yeah. And I think even now I can see in my own life and a lot of my friends, we all grew up in Young Life. So we carry that um, common denominator where we're like, we just want to live life with people. It can look really simple. Of course, it can be extravagant, too. You know, I don't want to discount that. Um, But I think just the simplicity of we want to live life together. What does that actually look like? Well, it looks like inviting people into your normal everyday life and even now I just see how much I carry that with me because people saw me and invested in me and they just, I don't know, Love is spelled T I M E. <laughs> that cheesy saying, <laughs> but it's so true. I've actually never heard that. You haven't, no. <laughs> but I, I it took me a second. But you spelled time. I spelled time. <laughs> Love is time for those who not the seasoning. I'm talking about real life quality time. I yeah. think just investing in people the day in day out. It's a game changer. Yeah, no, it makes sense. I just hadn't heard. Of it. <laughs> <laughs> I I say a lot of things. Sometimes people are like, "Do you hang out with your grandparents a lot?" Which I do. Okay, yeah. so my vocabulary is a little older. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, when is there a time from when you were five years old and accepted Jesus? Then, when did 
and I don't want to say Jesus wasn't real because Jesus was real to you when you received him in your yeah. life, even at five years old. Mm-hmm. But is there a place where you go, wow, I'm really understanding like who Christ is in me. Like there's a power and authority that yeah. Christ gives you when he comes, his Holy Spirit lives in you. Yeah. So throughout my childhood, I think I always got relationship with Holy Spirit. Like I love just talking to God and I just like to talk. So I loved that. But I think the identity thing was an issue for me. Um, There's just injustices. I think that happened along the way that kind of solidified like you don't have value. You're rejected. And so then I kind of had that tension. Well, if God is who he says he is, why did this happen? You know, kind of that question a lot of people ask, why do bad things happen to good people? And I think growing up, I just didn't know what to do with that. And so based at the age of 19, turning 20, that's when just a radical, I think, conversion happened in my life where I understood like God is who he says he is. And what does that mean for me? And that I can live a life of abundance and a a life of authority. And I'm not like no longer am I serving a circumstantial gospel. And I think, you know, going through elementary school, junior high, high school, my, it was super circumstantial. And I didn't ever process like, no, I can serve God no matter what. Like he is for me no matter what. Mm-hmm. So when you say circumstantial gospel, explain that just a little bit more. Yeah. Um, what I mean by that is that I kind of measured my circumstances up to what is God doing in my life. And now I think because of that summer turning 20, I realized like the spiritual realm is real. God's doing a lot of things for me, quote unquote, behind the scenes. And I can tap into that through the power of Holy Spirit and ask God like, okay, what are you doing? What are you teaching me? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so good. And we're going to take a break here in just a second. But when we come back, you you hit on something I really do want to talk to you about more, Camille, which is you said you like to talk to God, that you have conversations with God. And as, as believers, you know, we know that Jesus always got a way to spend time with his father, with the father. And the father spoke to him. And then Jesus did nothing apart than what the father told him. And I, what, I, what I've loved about your relationship with Jesus is that you really do have conversations with God. God speaks back to you. And mm-hmm. we're going to talk about what does God say when he speaks back to you? <laughs> and also, I want to ask you is, um, what favorite pet did you have growing up as a oh kid? Oh my gosh, so hard. So many favorites. All right, we'll be right back. <laughs> Stay tuned. In his brand new book, Searching the Scriptures, Pastor Chuck Swindoll shows you how to take your study of God's Word to the next level, and we've arranged for you to get a free chapter right now. Go online, faithtalk1360.com, to read Chuck's recipe for getting the most out of your Bible study, faithtalk1360.com. I am Tom Brown. Good afternoon. You are listening to Koinonia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ, where hope is always on. Welcome back, everyone. This is your host today, Lance Rahoff, and I'm with my guest, Camille Swartz. Camille and I have been talking about her growing up in Chandler, Arizona, (laughs) uh, being part of Young Life when she was a high school student, relationships that have lasted her um, past college and and into her professional life and adult life with her former Young Life leaders and just what it means to invest in people. Uh, They become friends for life when you spend. And as Camille told us is, how do you spell love? (laughs) T-I-M-E is time. And that's good. 
uh, so I learned something new today. Good. But that's that's that is relevant to all of our lives, and it's always good to hear quality time. And so, Camille. But when we were leaving mm-hmm. the last segment, I asked you, what was your favorite pet? What, what, what was your first pet? Okay. I, my first pet was a cat from the pound. It was a, I wanted a black cat, kind of weird. And we went to the pound, got it, and her name was Jessica. And because I wanted to give her like a normal name, like I wasn't into like pet names. Um, I really thought it out. <laughs> a cat I was named fine. Jessica? A cat named Jessica. People always are surprised. It's a security question, you know, for my banking and stuff. So don't answer it. <laughs> um, so Jessica was pretty vicious. Like she would bite and jump up and bite if she wasn't fed. So my parents, I think it's still an issue in our house. Like Jessica being the black cat wasn't a good cat. She moved with us a couple times and then she was killed by a coyote. Oh, wow. Did you see it? No, but my grandparents were afraid to tell me. Um, So two months later, I find out like, oh, where's Jessica? Because we moved to Arizona. Jessica was still in Colorado. And then after Hmm. asking where's Jessica for a couple months, I... Oh, no. They told me she was That sounds horrible. Out. It sounds to me like you should have named the cat Flash or Speedy. <laughs> well, maybe not because it didn't get away. That's from, what I'm saying. Maybe Roadkill. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was going to say it would have made the cat a little faster. Never exactly. mind. Sorry. Went over my head. Yeah. <laughs> now, um, okay. So you had a cat named Jessica growing up. Yeah. Are you a big pet person? Do you like? I love dogs. Like I don't dogs. really like cats. But as a kid, my mom was like, you know, I don't. She was a cat lady. Yeah. She was the cat. She had a mighty influence on that. Oh, wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we also were talking about you have conversations with, with God. Yes. You know, it's interesting when I just think about having conversations with God, uh, that means that God has to be personal. Yes. You can have conversation with someone who's not personal, but I know that the Lord is really personal to you. And this is what I think in this segment, when we're talk- talking about, let's talk about how God speaks to you. Yeah. And a lot of Christians, I, I've been around a lot of Christians go, yeah, I believe the Holy Spirit lives in me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe that God still speaks. But a lot of the times I hear people say, well, I think, oh, yeah, it makes sense that God would speak to you or to that yes. person. I don't know that God speaks to me. Yeah. But I always think, like, no, we all have the same Holy Spirit. Exactly. And so... Um, we can hear from the Lord. Yes. How do you hear from the Lord? Well, people hear different differently. So it's hard to compare because right. comparison's not of God. And when people do that, of course you feel inadequate. So I hear through pictures, I would say, or see. I see through pictures. I also have like impressions on my heart and like where I just know in my knower. And you're like, oh, I just know. Yeah. Um, so I through impressions, pictures, um, and sometimes like a voice. I'm not saying it's always like the audible voice of God. Um, that has happened, but mainly for me, it's probably like impressions on my heart, discernment, and then seeing pictures in my mind um, for people. Okay. Or myself. So, okay, what would that look like? For instance, I I just know, and we're going to take some time praying at the end of the show today. And I always uh, love it when you pray, and and when you're praying, either by yourself or with someone, maybe for someone. Yeah. And you hear things from the Lord. Give me an example of what that might look like. Okay. Um, So let's just say, I don't know, praying for myself. Like I had a friend a couple days ago. I'm in an interesting spot in life. And she was like, you know, sometimes you just have to wrestle things out with God. And I was like, yeah, you're right. And the day before I had was at the Franciscan Renewal Center, Holy Ground. Oh, wow. Hey, now. Yeah, I love that place. I know. It's so much fun. And I was there and I felt like the Lord said the phrase, like, 
I won't let you go till you bless me. Obviously, when Jacob was wrestling with God. And so, so funny. The next day, I'm just out. I see this friend. She doesn't know that. And she's like, hey, sometimes you have to keep wrestling with God. Um, And so I think just having an open heart and open mind. Of course, there's times where I'm like, hey, God, show me this or show me this for this person. Or sometimes when you're just open to Holy Spirit living life with him, it's just getting a download. Um, Like, okay, I'm at work and someone comes into work. I'm like, okay, they're not okay. They're, I feel like they're battling this today. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about the prophetic Mm -hmm. in the New Testament sense, because I think sometimes people get confused or not even confused, but they draw an Old Testament prophet to the first Corinthians 14, where Paul says about us prophesying Mm -hmm. and that we would all prophesy. And the reason that we prophesy is for the building up and edification of the church, which is the whole body of Christ, right? Okay. So that sounds like a really good thing. And that's one of the reasons Paul's exhorting us to do that is because there's one is, is, Hey, we can all hear from the Lord. Yes. And then we, and the Lord wants to build up his church, his body. So there's an encouraging word coming from the Lord. And so, uh, but I, but I think that, uh, so if I'm someone and I'm, we're talking about the prophetic Mm -hmm. in today's world, how would you answer that to someone who says, can you explain that to me, Camille, about what does the prophetic mean? Yeah, which I think, good question, because I feel feel like people can just get freaked out by certain words, you know, like it's like a trigger, like, (gasps) prophetic. Um, Really, it's just you're a sheep, you serve a shepherd, you hear the shepherd's voice. And the prophetic to me is proclaiming the heart, the mind and the will of God over a situation, over people, over land, over our government. So you're partnering with God over what he says, over a person or over a situation. And it lines up with his character, with his word. You know, I think sometimes people get freaked out of like, well, I don't, you know, is that of God? Is that me? Or is that God? But it's like, is it, does it match the character of God? Does it line up with what, you know, his word says about who he is and about his children? Okay. Yeah. That makes so much sense. Now here, here's where I think somebody might go, okay, that's great. So (laughs) immediately you think about the word of God. So we have scripture. Yeah. So you could just um, proclaim scripture and God's promises over someone. Is that right? Yeah. So you can do that. Then there's uh, another way where you go, well, I'm getting your knower, as you said, like, oh, and I just know something. Maybe could that be a word of knowledge? Like, totally. Okay, so someone could get like a word of knowledge. Like, I just was given some information by the spirit that I otherwise didn't know about this situation or this person. And now I'm going to proclaim that. Yeah, because it's going to be of building up and and encouraging the person. Right. Okay. so can we try something? Okay, yeah. this is kind of crazy because we haven't scripted any of this and um, has no idea. But so Jeremy is our is our technician in the other yeah. room. He's the guy that's like, you know, running the show back there. Yeah. <clears throat> and um, so you just met him a few minutes ago. Yep. And I don't know him real well. But why don't we do this right now? Okay, so Jeremy, we don't know anything really about Jeremy other than he's a great guy and has a mm-hmm. good smile. and um, <laughs> Great teeth. He has great teeth. There you go. Um, which is another it's um, a spiritual gift. It is a spiritual gift. Great teeth. So why don't we do this? Can can we prophesy? Or I say we, but I really say you. Can you yeah. prophesy over Jeremy today? Like he's in the other room. He's not even in the same room with us. Yeah. But he can hear what's going on in our in our show. So well, can we do that? For sure. Okay. So how do you want to do that? 
Okay, Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would speak to me right now, God. We just invite your presence. God, I just pray for a word that would build him up, God, and give him vision for his future today. In Jesus' name. The first thing I heard is just, I saw you building a wall, and I feel like God says you're just a foundation layer, like you're someone who goes before, where other people would say, hey, I don't want to do that. That's the groundwork. That's the grunt work, like almost above that. But I feel like you have a servant's heart, and there's supernatural humility on your life that you can see things Um how they're going to be, not just what they are. And so you want to lay the foundation. You're willing to like, it was like you're building a wall of, and it was a barren city. There was nothing on the inside yet, but you had vision. You're like, I know what's coming. And I feel like God just honors your humility. He honors that you have a servant's heart, that you're not someone who's like, well, I'm above that. I don't want to do that. But you're just a man of integrity and character. And I feel like um, you just, I don't know, you were made to see the greater things of God. Like you're not someone who you're like, okay, I'm just going to go to church on a Sunday. Okay, I got my check in the box. But there's something in your spirit that was made to see the greater things of God. And I heard you just are a tender man of worship. And not just like singing songs to God, but you worship him in all things that you do, that you just honor God. Um, Yeah. Okay. That's awesome. I don't know who wouldn't be encouraged by that. And I can see Jeremy, but I don't know if I can hear him on the show. I, can you pipe in where people can hear you? I definitely can. I figured you're a tech engineer guy. <laughs> okay, Jeremy, you heard those words, right? I did, yes. Okay. <laughs> well, that was really encouraging, right? I mean, I, I would be super encouraged. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And I feel that she was right on. Oh, my goodness. That was perfect. Oh, that's so good. And, uh, yeah, you know, one of the things that I've seen, uh, well, I pastored Living Streams Arcadia for five years, and Camille would be in our services sometimes. And the Lord would say to me, I'd be up in the front row, and we would be during it would be during worship. <clears throat> and we always wanted to be sensitive to, like, what the Spirit was doing in mm-hmm. service. And so every once in a while, I would hear <laughs> the Lord would just say, call Camille up, just uh, Camille. And I, sometimes I wouldn't even know if she was definitely in the, in the <laughs> audience or not, and I'd look around. But uh, there were times I'd be on the front row, and I would text her during worship and go, are you here? Can you come up and give a word? Because the Lord was just saying, and you would come up, and you would speak over the congregation powerful words like it was just so right on and people go yes and there is just um like you could sense the power of god in the room but not just the power the love because without the love i mean the power is great Uh, miracle signs and wonders are awesome but ultimately as paul says in first corinthians 13 a nasty symbol (laughs) right Yeah. Say that. You'll be a symbol if you oh, don't have yeah, love. You will. A nasty symbol. So, yes, for sure. But, it, like, love never fails is how that little section of Scripture ends. And and so, Camille, I think one of the things that really comes across well is that when you just prophesied over Jeremy in the other room, he was in the other room, is that you could sense the love of God over his life. Totally. Yeah, that's so special. Like, that's a powerful gift. and But it's an expression of God's care for other people yeah. that he wants all of us to have. Is that right? Totally. Yeah. And so we're going to come back and just, man, that was really cool. Thanks for doing that, Camille. Of course. And I love that. And maybe we'll do that again. Maybe we'll do that for somebody else in the station here in just a minute. But, hey, stay tuned with us. This is great having Camille on with us today. We'll be right back.
Phoenix is a worship conference that has a heart to inspire and affirm worship teams in the Phoenix Valley. You know, as worship leaders, your job's not simply musical in nature. It is to provide an atmosphere where people encounter the presence and the power of God. If you love worship, whether as a leader or participant, go online now to EncounterPHX.org for more information and registration. That's EncounterPHX.org. And now, more Koinonia on KPXQ. Welcome back. This is Lance Rahoff, your host today, and I am with Camille Swartz. The last section uh, segment of our radio so- show, can't talk now. It was so overwhelming, Camille. <laughs> the presence of God is <laughs> so thick in here. It is true. But that was so cool that you, uh, we just asked, uh, or I asked you, could you just prophesy over Jeremy, who's the, the, the technician that we have here, and sound engineer? What's your title? Sound engineer? CEO. C- CEO. Oh, I'm liking the CEO. Okay, CEO. Yeah. Uh, so, and Camille, you just prophesied over Jeremy. You had some powerful words for him, some really caring words for him. Mm-hmm. And Jeremy said, oh, that makes sense. That totally resonates with me. Yeah. And which is great, right? And so you do that so freely. Like you just hear as we, you started to pray and ask the Lord, um, God, just, you know, give me some words for Jeremy, essentially, is what was going on there. The Lord's so good mm-hmm. to go, oh, yeah, I know yeah. Jeremy. And the cool part is, is that God knows Jeremy better than anyone knows Jeremy because God made Jeremy yeah. and God lives in Jeremy. OK, mm-hmm. so now if God knows Jeremy better than you will ever know Jeremy or even Jeremy's family will ever know him. But so God's so good to give you some pictures. You said you had a picture of a wall first mm-hmm. and and then you went in to explain what that was. OK, have you had people prophesy over you? Yes. And actually my first time, like as an adult, like I grew up in an atmosphere where I knew spiritual gifts were manifested and saw really my grandparents and my parents kind of operating in that. Um, I was at a ministry school in Tacoma, Washington, which I didn't know Tacoma existed. I only knew Seattle. I'm like, where am I going? You know, you just insulted Tacoma. I know. I love you, Tacoma. That's it is a city of destiny. That's the name. Um, Tacoma. That's what it's called. So I do have love for it. But at the beginning, I just didn't know. I know. It's like Tacoma people their whole lives growing up going we're the we're the insignificant Seattle's weird cousin but yeah. Tacoma's super powerful Tacoma um, it's fun. where I started following God so I have much respect for that city um, but I had gone to this ministry school I had heard about it through a young life leader at a wedding I wasn't supposed to be at they turned to me and say hey we just feel like you should check this out they didn't know the backstory of what I was going through so I go up there it's the first day of the school um, I had no idea what I was doing and the reason this was so powerful I'll just give a little bit of backstory I was in the psych ward previously um, to that you were yeah for a month or so I can't even really remember but I had just been released and so I'm like I don't know what I'm doing in my life I was at my lowest of lows. I was there for um, multiple suicide attempts. So I'm in Tacoma, Washington. I totally am thinking to myself, I do not belong here. Like these kids love Jesus. They've probably been like living radically for the Lord. And I've been going to Drake concerts, (laughs) doing extracurricular activities and been suicidal. Here I am. What is going on? And so there is a guy, pastor of the church. His name's Myron. He looks, we're in a group of people, like all sitting in these seats. He's like, Hey, you points at me. He's like, come up here. 
I'm like, oh, for the love, I'm going to run to the bathroom, you know, because when you're living in shame, you don't want to be seen. And I think being up there, I felt so vulnerable and I did not want to be seen. I didn't want people to know my past. I didn't want them to look at me and I didn't want people to hug me. Like, don't touch me. Just I wanted to I was festering in that shame and it just had grown bigger and darker. And another couple gets up there who I still love in relationship with Elizabeth and Shane. They know nothing about me. And the first word they get is they see a sinking ship and I'm on this sinking ship. But instead of like just being like, okay, whatever, I'm just going to die on this ship. I get another rowboat and I'm like, hey, get on my rowboat. Come with me. And she's like, we just hear that you're a rescuer. And I kid you not, it was like when Saul became Paul, like my heart, like everything inside of me that had been dead. I mean, my story, I had believed in Jesus, but I had been living in rebellion and so much shame since about junior high. So this had been built up, you know, for a really long time. And I just felt it break. And I felt the voice of God just radically change my life. And it wasn't just them speaking. Like to this day, I'm not like, oh, Elizabeth said that. Like she was the messenger. She was the vessel. But God spoke to me. I'm like, how could you say that about me? Me as a rescuer? Like I'm the one who's trying to kill myself. Like I can't rescue anybody. Like I'm suicidal. I'm depressed. I'm anxious. I'm filled with fear. And it radically changed my life. And that's, I feel like why I'm so passionate about prophecy and hearing God's voice, because I will never forget those words that were spoken about my identity. And, um, because it just, it was so kind to hear the father and he sounded way different than I thought he did. Yeah, because your impression of how God would have sounded would have been what? He was angry at me. He was so disappointed. Like, and I just, I felt, I remember feeling that like, is that God? Like, that's the, that, that's God. Like, that's father God. Like, he loves me for me and not for what I've done. And this is how he views me. It just, it, it just changes everything. It does change everything. And I think we'd be amazed, right, at how many Christians uh, where Jesus has come uh, to save us, to restore us, to to snatch us up and to say, I want to take you and and I'm making you new. Mm -hmm. And I have made you new, but I'm going to continue to make you new. Yeah. Right. And yet we live in this place of, no, God, you must be angry with me. Yeah. Um, As a matter of fact, uh, we'll start to attribute, well, this would have worked out if God had really loved me, but clearly God doesn't. Yeah. And so things aren't working out the way that I had hoped. Yeah. Yeah, there's a cool quote by this lady, Krista Black, and she lost a baby, gave birth to a stillborn baby. And she says, if you're not anchored in the goodness of God, you'll like level basically your theology to that, like to the circumstance of what Mm -hmm. happened. And I think a lot of us do that. I mean, even I think that can be a struggle for anyone. I don't care if you've walked with God for 20 years, two years, um, but knowing like being anchored in that, like God loves me. God is for me. This is how he views me, does not view me how the world views me, how even my friends, friends who have the best intentions, God views me with this everlasting love, this unrelenting love. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's powerful to have that mindset shift, which is a renewed mindset of of who Christ is in us. And so when you 
Wow. You put out a lot of things on the table that for a listener who's driving down the road right now or sitting at their home or at their desk and their computer listening to this right now, you put out a few things that we went from growing up in Chandler to accepting Jesus at five then mm-hmm. having being involved in young life and in community and so forth. We we're talking about that. We didn't really get into college so much you know, or, or professional life yeah. years there, but... Um, but then um, our conversation, and then you prophesy, which was really cool. And I think that you could have been listening to this show and thinking, well, this this woman, Camille, she's really got her stuff together. Uh-huh. I mean, this, <laughs> I mean, like, wow, she hears from the Lord. She's prophesying over the CEO. Um, I'm just getting the sound engineer and uh, here at the radio station and all that. And then you threw out psych ward. Yeah. I mean, you just put that one on the table. I mean, why not? It's not who I am. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's not who you are. But what I'm saying is, is there's been things that have happened in your yeah. life. Like Your life is not, hey, every day I wake up and because I hear from the Lord, man, we just walk through and it's. No. Especially I'm in a difficult season. So I feel like it's even good for me to speak these things out and remind myself like this is who I actually am. Yeah. And it doesn't mean your life is. It changes things, but it doesn't mean that you won't still go through hardships. Yeah. But it definitely is a game changer. Yeah. Right. And so, for instance, you threw out a few things, too, about, you know, depression. Yeah. Um, So you knew the Lord, and yet um, you were depressed. Yeah, beyond depressed. I mean, that's what caused me to be suicidal, you know. And I remember laying in the hospital bed um, at a hospital in the East Valley, and my mom was there in my old Young Life Leader. And they're like, hey, like— you and the social worker comes in. I'm like, what is going on? Like, this is not who I am. Like, you know, and it was so surreal, you know, and like, yeah, even in the midst of, I knew Jesus, but I was so in my own shame. Like I just kept going further and further in the pit because it was almost like I wanted to make myself unlovable. Um, Mm. because I was like, I'm not lovable. So I might as well just go, Go all all out. I'm an extremist, obviously. Um, (laughs) But, you know, I just got to that point where I'm like, I if I'm unlovable, if this is this if this is what I'm hearing that I'm unlovable and if this is really true and this is what my life is going to look like, I can't live like this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it felt like an insurmountable like mountain to climb. Is that what it was like? Oh, beyond. Cause I had been depressed. Like I said, yes, growing up in young life, quote unquote, but I had, I was a dual citizen. If you will, I was doing <laughs> other things on the side and just, there was a war against my life and that tension, you know, a house divided will not stand. And that's how kind of my life was living. So your life was living where you were involved with Christian activity. I mean, totally. and community. I wanted to bring people to young life too. And then I would also want them to bring them to other parts. I was still a leader. (laughs) (laughs) You were just leading people in both directions. Exactly. At the time. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that's a really good word because, you know, it's one foot in, one foot out. Yeah. Uh, Unfortunately, there's a lot of people uh, that walk that life. Yeah. And, um, and don't really want to. No. Like, for instance, like, no, I want to go. And I think yeah. that's when Paul says there's this battle of the flesh, right? Like, yeah. I do the things that I don't want to do. And it's yeah. like he asks this question of, like, why, Lord, do I keep doing all this stuff? Because Paul's heart was like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to yeah. walk into that sin. I don't want to walk into my flesh that keeps asking me to come this direction, right? Yeah. Um, and he knows about freedom. And yet Paul 
who wrote so much of the New Testament, whose relationship clearly heard from the Lord, mm-hmm. and yet at the same time wrestled with his flesh on a on probably a daily basis. Yeah. Yeah. And Camille, what I what I love uh, about your story, and I want to talk to you a little bit more as we close in just a minute, we're going to take some time for prayer, mm-hmm. is that ultimately we can talk about all this, but the Lord came to set us free, to set yeah. the captives free, and that we can live in freedom. Yes, it's available no matter what. Every day, every hour, every second, it's available. Right. And so it's not only, yeah, it's available, but we have to walk into it. Yes. Like we, it's not that we sit around and we can't sit around in our depression or sit around in that state and just go, you know, I'm going to live in this. You have to make an effort, right? To move into a different place. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm asking you that at the same time because we've all. It's both. You know, God can be deliverer, but he also can teach you your authority and your sonship or daughtership. Yeah, that's good. Okay, well, in a minute, we're going to wrap this segment up with Camille Swartz. It's been so good having her on the show. And we're going to take some time and pray. Mm -hmm. And um, who knows, maybe we're praying a prayer specifically for you. So stay tuned when we come back because we're going to pray and see if we get some words, uh, the listeners that are out there today. Welcome back. This is Lance Rahoff. I'm with my guest today, Camille Swartz. It's been such a good hour with her. I'm actually sad to even close this up with her today. I think we're going to do another show here coming up real soon with Camille because there's some other areas I'd love to explore. But one of the things we've talked about is prayer and hearing from the Lord. So I don't even want to talk anymore. I just want us to get into prayer, Camille. So can we just pray right now? And maybe there's some listeners out there that need a word or something like that. So why don't we just pray? Yeah, Jesus, I just thank you for today, God. I thank you for the city of Phoenix, Lord. And I just think even about what a Phoenix is, God, it's something that rises from the ashes. And I just believe right now, God, that you want to deposit hope in people, hope against hope like Abraham had, God, when Abraham and Sarah were barren, God, you called him a father of many nations, God. So I just pray for people, God, who are spiritually barren, where they're like, we're waiting on promises and we're where there's tension in my heart because God has said this, but it has not come to pass. God, I just speak hope and strength to their situation. God, I pray, Lord, for intimacy with you, that even in the hard times of life, there would just be such a sweet aroma of worship that would arise, God. And I just declare over your sons and daughters today that hope is available, that Christ in them, the hope of glory, no matter what, God, that they would just lift their faces, God, and know that they would be refreshed in your presence in the mighty name of Jesus. Yeah, that's so good. And so, Lord, we just ask for protection over our city as well. And we just want to see our city, um, state, this country, especially during these elections and and all the stuff that's going on. We want to see um, freedom reign in every area of our lives, Lord, that we operate under an open heaven. And when we say an open heaven, Lord, that there'd be a mindset and then just a heart response that, Lord, all the resources of heaven are available, Mm -hmm. uh, that you ask us to come and just call on the on the name of Jesus um, for freedom over any particular area. And Camille, just as we're praying that and praying over our city, I'm just thinking about um, how um, so many out there just need to be encouraged a little bit to say that you don't have to live uh, in in any kind of bondage, that you speak out over that, the freedom of Jesus and that. And he loves to set captives free every day. Yeah. 
Yeah, thanks so much for being with us. We're going to have you back here real soon. And Phoenix, uh, hope you guys are blessed today and encouraged in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.